means war. And throughout this series, I've been focused on sharing with you what Paul said about praying in the Holy Spirit and how when we pray in the Holy Spirit, it actually uh, releases benefits in our lives. Uh, but today we're going to deal with the same verse that we've been looking at from the, a different perspective. So we're going to be sharing today on this means war as we wrap up this series. And let me just begin by pointing out something that has been proven to be true, unfortunately. And it is this fact. Christians give in too easily to the devil in spiritual warfare. Let me say that again. Christians give in too easily to the devil in spiritual warfare. In his book, Fuzzy Memories, Jack Handy writes, There used to be a bully who would demand my lunch money every day. Since I was smaller, I would give it to him. Then I decided to fight back. I started taking karate lessons. But then the karate lesson guy said that I had to start paying him $5 a week. So I just went back to paying the bully. You see, there are too many people who feel it is easier to pay the bully than it is to fight the devil and that it is to learn how to defeat him. So I want to encourage you today by looking at the spiritual warfare passage found in Ephesians chapter 6 because in it we discover several truths that the Apostle Paul reveals to us regarding believers in Christ Jesus and spiritual warfare. The first truth is this. Every believer is a worshiper and a warrior, a saint and a soldier, in the faith and in the fight. Verse 12 of Ephesians 6 reads this way, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. So Paul reveals that if you are a believer, a Christ follower, then you are not just a worshiper, you are a warrior. You're not just a saint. You are now enlisted as a soldier in the Lord's army. You're not just in the faith. Now you're in the fight. But he also reveals another truth. Every believer has the ability To fight from a position of victory, power, strength. Every believer has the ability to fight from a position of victory, power, and strength. He reveals that in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That one verse contains three power words that are connected to the power of God. And Paul is saying that as a believer, you can be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 
This is important because what Paul is saying, that once you come into Christ, you are plugged in to a power source that can overcome resistance. You are plugged in to a power source that provides strength that is unending. You are plugged in to a power source that has might that is incomparable or incomparable. So in Christ, you as a believer, you are not in a position of disadvantage. You are in a position of victory, power, and strength. And then what he points out is that we are the best equipped warriors on the ground. Believers are the best equipped warriors on the ground. He reveals that in what he writes in verses 11 and 13 of Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6 verses 11 and 13, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against, notice, the wiles or schemes of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So he says that God, through his armor that he's provided for every believer, has equipped you and I with the ability to stand against every scheme, every wild trickery of the devil. So even if the devil throws everything at you, including the kitchen sink, child of God, the promise is true. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Because God has provided you with an armor that equips and empowers you to be able to overcome every scheme of the devil. But not only that, but he says if we have the whole armor of God, then we will be able to withstand, resist, when the day of evil comes, what is the day of evil? Well, you remember in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, Luke 4.13 says that the devil then left him till an opportune time. The devil left him till an opportune time. In other words, the devil withdrew. He withdrew until he saw a time that was a time that in which Jesus would be vulnerable or in a time that he felt would be the greatest opportunity to launch another attack. But Paul says as a child of God that you and I, if we're clothed with the armor of God, then it doesn't matter what kind of season we're having. We will have the weaponry and the equipment to be able to withstand, to resist the attacks and assaults of the enemy against our lives. So I want you to understand today because here's the problem with believers that we don't pray like we pray when we're in trouble. We don't fast like we fast when we're in a battle. We don't read the Word like we read the Word when we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. It's then that we get really consecrated. It's then that we're asking everybody, including the people we don't like, to please pray for me. You see, we get really, really concerned and concentrated in the battle by prayer, fasting, and reading the Word when we feel the heat of it. But the devil knows that most believers, that when he withdraws, they'll begin to relax when they don't feel the pressure like they felt before. They won't praise and worship like they did when they were under attack. But my God, I pray that you and I grow up to the place where we're going to not give the devil any single day or any pleasure on any day because we're going to be clothed with the armor of God from the sunset to the sunrise, the sunset. And if we are, we will be able to overcome no matter what kind of season we're going through in our lives. Woo! But in this whole passage, then, 
He's going to talk to us, as we've noted, about the weapon of prayer. Well, I came across an article found in the 2003 edition of the Daily Citizen. And it had this headline, Iraqi Freedom, Murray Residents Use Prayer as a Weapon. It's in the Daily Citizen, March 21st, 2003 edition. And in it, it had different quotes from different uh, pastors and leaders in that region in Georgia. And in this article, it read as follows. It takes more than bullets and bombs to win a war, residents said in Chatsworth, Georgia. A pastor, Frank Lloyd of Chatswood, at a prayer service at First Baptist Church said this. Prayer is the greatest weapon we've got. This war is not going to be won on military might. It's going to be won on the prayers of the people in this country. Clay Layfield agreed, the associate pastor of First Baptist. He said, God is greater than a gun. And then Reverend Donald Cantrell, pastor of Cool Springs Baptist Church, said this. If all we depend on is duct tape and plastic, we're in a mess. I can't go over there, speaking of Iraq, and fight that war. But I can pray right here. There's something about knowing that even though I'm not there, from here I can impact there through the power of prayer. And the Bible says this, Paul instructs us in Ephesians 6:18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, we already looked at the first part of this verse where Paul is telling us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Why? Because as we discovered the last couple of weeks, there are benefits and blessings connected to praying in the prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us and that Jesus gives us through the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But I want to focus on the second part. Paul is saying to us also, he says, being watchful to this end with our perseverance and supplication for all saints. So Paul is saying, don't just pray in the Spirit, which will benefit you, but also be alert so that you can know how to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are fellow soldiers in the Lord's army. He's saying, make it a point. Make it a, a make the decision to not only pray for your own betterment and your own edification, but also to cover others in prayer. Utilize this type of prayer that I'm going to talk to you about. And what does he call this type of prayer? It's intercession. It's you and I coming before God on behalf of another and pleading for his working in their life. And he uses two terms to describe the kind of pray that we are to employ on behalf of others. Perseverance and supplication. Now, what kind of prayer is perseverance? Perseverance is what I call, it's called push prayer. It's the push kind of prayer. What is push? Pray until something happens. Woo! It's the kind of praying that doesn't give up. It's the more than, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. It's the more than the prayer that you offer of grace for your food when you're gathered around the kitchen table. No, this kind of prayer is that kind of prayer that says, God, you said right here that you were going to do 
this in my life. And you said right here that I could believe this for my family. And you said right here that I could ask this for you, for somebody else that I care about. So God, I'm coming to you. Now, it's the kind of prayer that we read about happening in 1 Kings chapter 18. And you can look at the verses 48, 41 through 48. It's when Elisha is up on a mountain and he's praying. And he's praying and he says he heard the sound of abundance of rain. But then he went up and he began to pray. And the Bible says that he prayed like this and he had his head between his knees. In other words, he was in a position of a woman about to give birth. He was exercising travailing prayer. And you remember what happened? The Bible tells us that he sent his servant to go check over the ocean to see if there was any sign of rain. And the servant went once and then he went twice and he went up to six times and each time he would come back to Elisha and said there's no sign. But on the seventh time he comes back he says to Elisha, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And what did Elisha say? Get ready. Tell King Ahab he better get ready because it's about to pour. You see, Elijah didn't give up when he heard over and over again six times that there was no sign. He had heard the sound. And let me remind you that the sound always comes before the sign. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you've heard a promise from God, then I've got news for you. The sign is going to come. But in the meantime, you go with the sound. And what do you do with that sound? You get on your knees and you make a sound to God and say, I know I've heard you, God. I know I've heard you. Now I'm believing and I'm going to cry out till you answer the prayer. Woo! Push! Pray until something happens. Some of you today, you're in a circumstance and you don't know how to work your way out of it. Push! Would you tell your neighbor, push? Yeah, tell him, push. You need to push. You need to pray until something... You see, this, this, this is the kind of prayer I grew up watching people in the church do. And, and I saw breakthrough. And it was no wonder that God would move the way He did. Because there were people that were like, I will not give up. I will continue to intercede and believe. And then there's supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is sold on being bold prayer. Sold on being bold prayer. You know, some believers, not, not here, but in other places, they, they pray little prayers. Lord, heal my toenail. Okay, he, he can do that. He can do that, okay? But, I mean, there's more things that are more pressing and that we need God to do for the well-being, not only of our lives, but people that we care for, and for the well-being of our nation. Supplication is sold on being prayer, on being bold prayer. There's a, there's a pastor who wrote a, a book that I really enjoyed. His name is Mark Batterson, and the book that he wrote was called The Circle Maker. And in it, he tells the following. The book of legends is a collection of stories from the Jewish Talmud. When I discovered the true, where I discovered the true legend of Hani, he said, The Circle Maker. It forever changed the way I pray. I pray more. I pray with more faith. I've learned how to pray circles around my dreams, my problems, my family, and most importantly, the promises of God. He writes, a devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation, the generation before Jesus. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. Miracles were a distant memory, and God was nowhere to be heard. But there was one man, an old sage, who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem, who dared to pray 
anyway. His name was Hani. And even if the people could no longer hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. With a six-foot staff in his hand, Hani drew a circle on the sand. Then he dropped to his knees and raised his hands to heaven. With the authority of the prophet Elijah, who called down fire from heaven, Hani called down rain. This is what he prayed. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. Then... It happened. As his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended to the earth. The people rejoiced over the rain, but Hani wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle. Still kneeling within the circle, Hani lifted his voice over the sounds of celebration. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. The sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour that the people, that in such a degree that the people fled to the temple mount to escape the flash floods. Hani stayed and prayed within his protracted circle. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of benevolence, benediction, and grace. Then, like a well Proportion sun shower on a summer afternoon. It began to rain in perfect moderation. Some within the Sanhedrin threatened excommunication because his prayer was too bold for their taste. But the miracle couldn't be repudiated. Eventually, Hani, the circle maker, was honored for the prayer that saved a generation. The circle he drew in the sand symbolizes the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. It's also a reminder of this timeless truth. God honors Bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. I like that. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. He concludes by stating, we need to learn how to pray like honey and draw our own lines in the sand. The lines that we should not cross and the lines that help us to pray boldly. We need to tell God, I will not leave this place until you bless me. You see, this is why it perturbs me. It disturbs me when I hear men and women of God prophesying that the end is near and all they're talking about is like chicken little. The sky is falling. I'm not praying for the sky to fall. I'm praying for the sky to open. I'm praying for what God said. I now listen, now don't, don't, before you send me any, let me tell you something. I read the Bible. I read it daily. I know that it says that in the last days, evil men will grow worse and worse. And if you want to camp there, go ahead. I'm camping on what he promised to Joel. And Peter said, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm getting it. I'm making a circle around that promise. I get on my knees on the daily and say, God, I don't believe this is the end of America. I believe that you sent revival in the past. You are the God of the present and you can do it again. And I'm crying out for the fire from heaven to come afresh. 
Why, Pastor? Because James 5.16 tells me, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And look how it reads in the Amplified. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, is able to accomplish much notice when put into action and made effective by God it is dynamic and can have tremendous power your prayer my prayer can make a difference it can make a great difference it can turn the tide it can turn the tables but notice it's called fervent It's called persistent. It's connected to the same word supplication, which means this. It means not giving up. It means prayer that keeps on asking courageously. God invites us to come and ask boldly. He says, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. In the words of Watchman Nee, our prayers lay the track down upon which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, His power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. In other words, he was saying, power from heaven requires prayers on earth. Power from heaven requires prayers on earth. It is no secret what God can do. Here is the key for God to do what He wants to do. It is we His people calling upon Him. He said in His Word, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. I believe that God is able to bring revival to America, but there needs to be a people that say we are fed up with the devil having his say we will speak up and we will call forth on almighty God that he will have the last say in our land church you got to understand why pastor angel is so passionate because I am an avid reader of revival and what I've discovered it is not a secret of how God has moved in the past it's only taken a person or a remnant of people that have said within their church within their community within in their nation. We will not surrender to the whims and wishes of the devil, but we will call upon the God who has said if we will, He will answer our prayer. And I'm wondering are you hungry enough to believe? Are you daring enough to believe that no matter what is going on in our nation, God is greater than our government. God is greater than the sin that abounds in our land. God is greater than the economic pressures that we're experiencing in our land. 
We, the church, need to come back to what we're about. We advance as we march on our knees. It is not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord moves where there's a people that are willing to pray. I want you to understand today, the reason I stand here is not because of my self-will and my, 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 my will to do what I could do. No, it's because my will was impacted by God's will being done in response to people that said, we are not going to give up on Angel Menchaca. He's a rebel right now, but he shall return back to the Lord. I had a mama, I had a daddy, I had grandparents that said, we're going to hold on to the horns of the altar until God brings about the salvation of his soul. I am not here by accident. I am here by divine assignment and by God fulfilling what he said he would do. And I'm saying to you, it doesn't matter who around you is bound. Your prayer can bring about freedom because God is able, as we sang today, to break every chain. He is able. He is able. He is able. He is able. So what are you saying, Pastor? In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 12, and Isaiah 59, 16, I want you to see this. Ooh, the word intercession is used there. And, and watch this, it's going to come on on the screen. Intercession in Isaiah 53, 12. And Isaiah 59, 16 means to impinge. Watch this, impinge. Which means to drive in as with a wedge. Watch this. Things will go on naturally unless we drive in the wedge of the supernatural by intercession. What are you saying, Pastor Angel? Here's what I'm saying. If you and I will intercede and we will exercise the prayer of intercession that Paul says is a weapon that God has given us by which to offer perseverance and supplication and prayer, what will happen is through intercession... There will be an interception. What do you mean? When you pray to God on behalf of another, you got to understand what happens. God intercepts what the enemy has brought against that person. I want you to understand, Pastor Angel knows there are consequences that I should have experienced but they were intercepted because there was somebody praying behind the scenes and saying, no devil, you will not have the last word. No devil, the Lord is a shield. No devil, I plead the blood of Jesus upon He may not be saved now, but He will be saved because I have a covenant with the one who has promised salvation. But not only is there interception, when there's intercession, there's intervention. Not only does God stop what the devil intended to do against you and against those you're praying, he intervenes. He steps in to start to do what he can do. And what happens is now the battle becomes his because you dared to pray. So what are you saying to us today, Pastor? Pray. Pray. Pray for your pastors. We need your coverage. We need your coverage. Pray for the leadership of this house. We need your wisdom. Pray for our praise and worship crew. They need fresh oil. They need the strength of God. Pray. 
for our children's ministry, our youth ministries, our young adult ministry, our adult. Pray for all the ministries of our church and the leaders that God would help our leaders to communicate the word with authority, with boldness and clarity. Pray for the serving teams that serve it up week in and week out. Pray that God would help them to see that their part is important and that they are helping the kingdom of God advance. Pray. Because here's what I've learned. If we will pray for one another, we will begin to see growth in one another. Say that again. We pray for one another. We will see growth in one another. We will see God intervene in this house and in our community. Are you ready? Are you ready to pray? Because this is what this is about. It's not about you hearing just a fiery preacher preach. It's about us exercising the weapon that the devil has no defense against called prayer. Ah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have access to your power. That knows no limit. And we call upon you, Almighty God. And we're praying for your kingdom to come. Your will to be done. Father, we need you at CWC Life. We need you. We need your power. It's your presence that makes a difference. This is not about building a personality. It's not about program. It's about your presence. And like Moses, we say, we'll not go unless your presence goes with us. We need your presence. Your presence is what distinguishes your people. It's the marked difference. Your presence. Oh God, we need your presence every day. Manifested. We need your power activated and at work in us, through us, around us. We come to you today on behalf of loved ones that need breakthrough in their lives. We come to you today on behalf of brothers and sisters in Christ who need strength today, who need empowerment, Lord, who need help. We're committed to push. We're committed to pray until something happens. We're committed to exercise sold on being bold prayer. We're going to dare to ask. For the greater, you invite us to believe for it. Your son Jesus says, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Oh God, come. Do what only you can do. Not only in this building, but outside this building. 
We need you. In Tulare County, we need you. In the schools, Father, we need you. In our chambers, God, we need you. In our city council, we need you. We need you. Oh God, we turn to you. We call on you. We ask of you. We ask of you. You said, ask of me. I dare to ask you for the fire like Elijah did. You're the God who answers by fire. And God, how our nation needs to know you. For when you manifest who you are, those who have withdrawn and estrayed have to face the reality that you alone are God and beside you there is no other. Oh, God, answer my fire. Grant us Pentecost all across this nation. From the east coast to the west coast, pour out the fire of your spirit. That there would be no doubt that you are God and God alone. None does compare. As our team begins to sing this song, I want you, if you feel so compelled, to come and just find a spot up here. If you're a prayer warrior, you believe in the power of prayer, come on and exercise it. I don't want you to wait on anybody. If you believe in prayer, you come. This is where it happens. You spend time at the altar. I've told you earlier, time at the altar will alter you. God's not going to leave you the way you came. If you call upon Him, He will transform you. But there's others of us, we need to come and exercise the power of prayer for loved ones. We need to call and ask God to move in areas that we have influence in and we realize it's not by might nor by power but only by God's Spirit that there could be change. Oh, how we need you, Lord. But right now, let's flood it. Let's flood it. Those that sow in tears shall reap with joy.